Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. For the last couple of weeks, I've mentioned about Michael Hyatt's Free to Focus course, and I want to tell you a little bit more about it right now. One of the things that I love about Michael Hyatt is that he offers simple ways to get the things done that we need to do, and it's powerful. And one of the things that we get confused about in education so many times is there are strategic plans and improvement plans and all kinds of things that are pulling us in a hundred different directions. What we really need is clarity on what is most important. And then we need the direction to figure out which strategies are going to help us get there most powerfully. And then we need to develop actual rituals and practices that make it so that those things happen the way that we need to have them happen. Now, this is a powerful system that I hope you'll take advantage of, and it closes in just a couple days. So please go to transformativeprincipal.org slash focus to sign up and get more information. The Transformative Principle, episode 193 with Naftali Hoff. Today, we're going to continue our conversation with Naftali Hoff, and we're going to talk about Uh, supporting the vision. Everything flows from the foundation of trust that you have created. And I think you're going to love this conversation. Just want to let you know that the Transformative Leadership Summit was a great success. And I learned so much from so many people as part of that. I hope that you had a chance to participate in that. You can still get the all-access pass from that. So go to transformativeleadershipsummit.com to pick that up. And you can still listen to those interviews and enjoy that. One other thing that I want to just mention real quick is that this podcast grows from sharing it. So please take a moment and share this with somebody else who would benefit from what you are learning as well. Thank you so much and enjoy the second part of my interview with Naftali Hoff. And every leader makes mistakes and struggles to you know, to define themselves after they make mistakes. Um, my friend, John Harper, he does a podcast called my bad, where he talks about mistakes that people make in an effort to help us learn that we all make mistakes and we need to learn from them and not be punished for them necessarily. And, you know, coming back from a mistake is a challenge. How do you come back from it after you have made a mistake as a, as a leader? So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of my book actually addresses that point directly or indirectly because I, like many school leaders, made a bunch of mistakes. One of the mistakes that I made was specific to this area of listening. You know, did I listen enough? I mean, there's a little bit of history in terms of my particular transition, which may or may not be relevant uh, to your listeners. But, you know, I came into a school that had been built basically from the ground up by one particular principal. It wasn't the first principal of the school, but was one of the earlier principals, and it certainly had the longest tenure by far. Uh, he had hired everybody. He had really created the, the school on every level, and ultimately, 
had helped to relocate it to what is now its current location, which is a much larger, more impressive building. All of these accomplishments he had, and he well-deserved. At the same time, he was older. There were a number of areas within the school that needed to be um, addressed, and uh, people were waiting for the new boss to show up and to be able to make those things happen. And so I showed up with a clear sense of mandate of change, Uh, yet I had a faculty that was very veteran, not so eager to go ahead and make any major changes. And so I think where I had either misappreciated or uh, misunderstood the situation is that I may have acted a little bit too quickly at times with a desire to go ahead and straighten things out and raise the level of discipline within the building and sort of, uh, you know, increase the professionalism, whatever those issues were, not with enough foundational trust building that we had talked about. And the result of that ultimately became that, you know, I had to do a lot of repair work in my first year, my second year as well, in order to get to a point where we could really make progress. And I think it was not until my third year, we had brought in a consultant to help get us aligned. Uh, there was a lot of, 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 of foundational work that needed to happen. Some of it would have needed to happen anyway, but I think some of it I did create, again, because of this disconnect between the mandates of the parents and the board and the lack of openness to change from within the faculty and from many of the students who are very comfortable with the way things were operating before I arrived. So that would be an example of, you know, owning up to a situation. I did speak publicly to the teachers as well as individually to certain groups uh, to have conversations about this, to own up to where I felt I had, um, you know, made mistakes along the way and also to get their support and their uh, their backing so that we could really achieve what needed to be achieved, uh, to be achieved moving forward. Yeah, it's it's funny. I can so my issue is I I always feel a sense of urgency and like I want these things to happen today, yesterday, right away. Not because I'm impatient, but just because I know that if we are doing wrong by kids, then we only have them for a limited amount of time. And I'm at the middle school level, and so the school I'm at now is seventh and eighth grade, and so. We've got just two years to make an impact on these kids. And we're going to make an impact for better or for worse. I want that impact to be for better. And so so my my default is the urgency because I don't want kids to go through our system and, and not have the best experience possible. So help talk me back from the ledge uh, about that urgency so that I don't do stupid things because I'm impatient. Yeah, so I, I think I suffer from the same, uh, um, from the same. <laughs> I don't want to call it condition, dilemma, whatever, whatever it might be. But I, I, the way that I started to look at it is that you sometimes need to, uh, you know, think big picture. Yeah, you're going to have some kids who the very few first weeks and months of the of the school year may not be getting the full benefit of what it is that you think you can offer by doing it the way that we're describing. But if you think about it in terms of the amount of mental and emotional bandwidth that you, that you can handle uh, and the long term of, of the pieces you may need to be picking up along the way and the backtracking you may need to be doing, if you don't you know, create the right foundation from day one, then I think you're going to find yourself that you're spending far less time 
helping advance the, the, the goal that you have for the children uh, while you're trying to deal with the adults. And, you know, Rick Lavoie talks about this idea about, uh, you know, when elephants fight, it's the grass that gets trampled. And I think that that's a wonderful, it's an African, it's an African um, saying, but I think it really, it really holds a lot of, of, of truth, uh, you know, in terms of the political and the professional elements that the school leaders need to be dealing with. You know, you kind of like want to say to yourself, well, can't we just all get focused on what's really important here, which is helping the kids? And, uh, you know, part of it is the teachers may not see what's best for the kids the same way that you do. But even if they do, they may not be willing to support it. So John Maxwell, for example, has this great, I view it as a matrix. Uh, and basically the idea is that if you support the leader and you support the leader's um, mission or vision, then you get behind the leader. That's easy. If you don't support the leader and you don't support his mission, then obviously you get another leader. All of that makes sense. But where it gets really interesting is what happens if you support the leader, but you don't support his vision, or you support the vision, but you don't support the person. And typically, you know, you may think, you know, one way or the other here, but the way that it goes, at least based off of his ideas and his research, is that where you can support the vision. So I agree with you as a vision, as a concept, as, as, a, as an ideal that, I, that, that makes sense for us to pursue. But if I don't support the leader whose face and whose name and whose brand and whose behaviors and all of this are attached to that vision, then the, the outcome remains get another leader. But if I support the leader and the leader is somebody who I trust and all of this, even if the specific vision does not resonate, then instead of saying get another leader, we simply say get another vision. So I think it's important, coming back to your question, that we really create that foundation because everything flows from there. If you have the foundation, the support, the trust, the relationships, the open, the open ear listening, etc., then you can go ahead and move almost anything forward because people will be behind you. They'll see you. They'll think positive. I don't want to, again, create this Pollyannish, unrealistic set of expectations. But under normal circumstances, we make decisions mostly based off of the emotional connection. That's how we purchase things. That's how we align with, with people and organizations. It's just the way we are. We're ultimately, we think we're rational. We like to list all the ideas, but at the end of the day, we make decisions based on our emotions. And so the more that we have positive emotional triggers that are created because we're the way we're relating to, connecting with, and supporting our teachers, the more that they will ultimately take our ideas and run with them because they will be, they, they will have broken down the barriers that may otherwise exist when it comes to change. Yeah. So that was good. We make decisions based on the emotional connection. I hope you, that we're recording this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was good. That, we talk about that and we, we think that that matters, but really that's just about everything. And I got to share a quick story. My superintendent um, many years ago, Dave Doty, his, he's at Canyons Dave on Twitter. If you're not following him, you should. I had just been hired on to the district and had been working there for about four months or so. And in that time, he had friended me on Facebook and friended my wife on Facebook. And he was the superintendent. And so my previous superintendent of a 90,000 student school district, I had uh, only seen him once and heard from him once. And that was pretty much it. And now my new superintendent 
is friending me and my wife on Facebook and, you know, commenting and, and things like that. So what happened was he commented on her Facebook page when she had a kid about six months later and just said, congratulations, I'm happy for you. And I cannot tell you how much that meant to my wife and how like immediately her trust for him like became something real. And I had good experiences with him. So I was, you know, talking him up um, previous to that, but he wasn't my direct supervisor. He, there were three or four people between us, um, but he still did that, still connected with her and made, made it a personal thing. And, you know, fast forward three or four years when there's all this stuff in the news, as there is about leaders who are, are pushing the envelope and pushing people to be better. And there were these things in the news about people not liking him and, and all this kind of stuff. And my wife was so annoyed that people would do that. And she had met him a couple times at that point, but because of his small act of friending her and telling her congratulations on having a baby that gave her that emotional connection and gave me that emotional connection. And whenever I'm back down in Utah, he and I get lunch every opportunity that we can. And that is a big deal to me because he made that emotional connection with my wife. She trusted him and could not believe that anybody would find fault in him. Now, obviously we know that everybody has faults and she gets that too. But, you know, the fact that 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 emotional connection was there is so powerful. And I, that story just really illustrates how right you are about that. And she would, I mean, she would have done anything in the world. And if I ever have a chance to work for him again, um, my wife will be told on board with that. Got it. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so let's, no, I agree. I think that that's, I, I think that that's, you know, super powerful because what you're saying is, you know, that the trust really, kind of in a way shields you from a lot of other things. Now, obviously, you still have to make good decisions and you still need to be able to develop trust in other areas. So, for example, and I don't want to digress too much into this at the moment, but I think that there's a lot a lot to unpack in this conversation when it comes to trust. But using the model of the Ken Blanchard companies where they talk about the ABCD, which is, now I'm forgetting it, uh, it's, I know, one second, it's... Uh, It'll come back to me. Uh, but the, the idea that the trust has a number of elements to them and, and the, the goal really when it comes to leadership is how do you go ahead and how do you build that trust? How do you ensure that people are, are behind you so that even if you make mistakes or even if there's a need for you to go ahead and, and circle back and fix things up, people will be more forgiving because you've demonstrated, you've demonstrated those, those core elements. So now, actually, I, uh, I have the four, and I'd like to just state what those are. Yeah. Uh, so the four elements of trust, according to, again, the Ken Blanchard companies and, and their great research is, are you able? That stand, it's A, B, C, D. So A stands for able, B stands for believable, C is for connected, and D is for dependable. So able, as, as the word implies, can you get the job done? Are you competent? Believable, do you act with integrity? And that's really where trust, I think, is so critical. The third one also relates to, uh, um, I shouldn't even say that because these are all about trust, but are you believable? Do you act with integrity? Do you keep confidences? Are you connected? That's C. Do you care about others? Do you listen well? And I think this is probably where your superintendent made that, made that really strong element of trust with you and with your wife, the idea of connecting with you, asking about you, 
And, um, and that's something that I try to do very much as well as, as a school leader. And then the final one, dependable. Do you do what you say you're going to do? Do you follow through? Right? Are you timely? Are you responsive? Are you organized? Are you accountable? These kinds of things. So if a leader does demonstrate trust in all four of those areas, doesn't mean they have to be perfect in all four. There are going to be some areas where they're better, some areas where perhaps they need to improve. But if they have touch points with all of those, people feel that they can get the job done and they will, that they're willing to connect with them and that they are people of integrity, then you really have a great set of ingredients for a trusting relationship moving forward. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I, I really appreciate sharing the, the Kim Blanchard ABCD trust model because um, it's something that I've learned about a long time ago and um, having being reminded of that is, is definitely important. So we did not get to the uh, students as leaders part and um, I apologize for that because I do want to talk to you about that. So we may have to schedule another time for us to talk, but I do want to get to my last question, which is the same for everybody I interview, which is what's something someone can do this week to be a transformative principal? Oh, that's a great question. And there are a lot of answers. I think that the one thing that I've learned over the years, especially as I've transitioned out of school leadership, but I think it's very relevant for school leadership as well, is to continue to invest in yourself. Um, too often, we're thinking about you know helping everybody else, being supportive for them, and that's obviously important. But you can't give what you don't have. And so, pick up a book, go to a workshop or a seminar, participate in an online course, do some reading, whether online or otherwise. Start to become more skilled, even than you presently are, because there's ne- there's never a time when you know everything, especially as we know with the changing landscape within education. There's so much more to learn and to grow and to become. And so I think that especially now, while it's still, uh, actually when people hear this, I'm not sure where they will be in terms of their school year, but even if their school year has begun, it's still important for you to continue to invest in yourself. Don't get stuck in the day-to-day minutiae. Don't keep worrying about the deadlines. As a leader, think about the future, and thinking about the future includes investing in yourself. And the more that you're willing to take those steps, to take some time away, to recharge, to connect with peers, whatever that looks like for you, you're going to be that much more effective. And the benefit of that is going to be felt all throughout your building. Yeah, that I, I couldn't agree more. I do a few other things besides this. If you're listening to this podcast, you are investing in yourself. If you participate in the Transformative Leadership Summit, you invest in yourself then. If you uh, do my mastermind with me, then you're investing in yourself there. And, you know, I started this podcast to do exactly what you just said. And there is no point where I will have all of the answers. None of us ever will. And we need to continue to work to be the best that we can be. And what you said, you can't give what you don't have is is truly powerful. Um, Naftali, thank you so much for your time. How can people get a hold of you, learn more from you, and connect with you? Sure. Thank you so much. So in terms of reaching out, uh, I have two different email addresses, uh, one for each part of my work. Uh, my core coaching work is uh, nhoff at impactfulcoaching.com. That's impactfulcoaching.com. That's also my website. And you'll find all sorts of information about the work that I do. Uh, you can download a free leadership ebook on the website, find out more information about seminars and training and courses and these kinds of things. 
I also have a separate website for the book that I recently published, again, called Becoming the New Boss. I think it's a wonderful resource, and I would encourage you to take a look at it. The website should be pretty easy to remember. It's becomingthenewboss.com. You could download a free sample chapter of the book over there. And my email associated with that website is author at becomingthenewboss.com. You could also give me a call at area code 212-470-6139. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Natalia, for being part of the Transformative Principle podcast. It's been a great conversation. Indeed. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you, Jethro, for the opportunity. And um, I'm hopeful that it was helpful. So as we mentioned there at the end, continue to invest in yourself. Listening to this is a great way to do it, but also join the Transformative Mastermind. Um, go to transformativeprinciple.org slash mastermind, and you can learn more about that. And we can set up a call to chat about that so that you can have an opportunity to to really invest in yourself in a powerful way that is making a huge impact. We got a bunch of people who signed up after the um, Transformative Leadership Summit and they are just rocking and rolling and it is really great. So uh, I hope you'll join us as well. Once again, go to transformativeprinciple.org slash mastermind. Transformative Principle is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcast for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts.